Thank you for listening. My name is Ross Cochran, and this is a special mini-series from the Child Discipleship Podcast, all about the war in Ukraine and how God has used child discipleship to further his kingdom. In the last episode, we talked about the history of the Ukrainian church, but today we're going to talk about the war. On February 24th, 2022, Russia launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. This invasion was unjustified, and the Ukrainian people, families like Pavel's family, were left with a choice to flee or to fight. Pavel is a leader for Awana in Eastern Europe, and you met him in our last episode. Greetings, friends. Uh, in 23rd of February, my kids asked me and my wife, Valentina, to bring out of Ukraine, of war zone, my three grandkids. So, and we have only one hour to prepare. And then after that, they take us to Ukrainian-Polish border, which we start our journey for three, uh, uh, three, almost three days outside staying in lines, checking papers. So it's more, most time it takes us to just stay in line because a lot of people was leaving. They live back to Ukraine to support Ukraine. Picture that in your home. Pavel is a grandfather. His kids came to him and his wife and asked them to flee the country with their grandchildren. Whatever your role with your family is, wherever you would have been sitting at that table during that family meeting, this was the reality for millions of Ukrainian families in February of 2022. And they, as Pavel said, only had an hour to prepare. There was a nearly universal response to the invasion in 2022. The condemnation of Russia was swift, and the support of Ukraine was nearly worldwide. In some ways, this was an improvement over 2014 and the response to Crimea. But in all of this news coverage, I don't want it to get lost that the war happened to people. So we woke up because of the explosion. In 30 minutes, I took my family outside. That's Maxime speaking and Olga translating. Max and his family live about 20 kilometers away from the Russian border. When I spoke to Max, he was, and I'm quoting here, with some Canadian guys and Ukrainian guys driving food and supplies to military and civilians, end quote. He was in a van while someone else was driving and yet he still took my call to tell part of his story. I can't believe he did that, but more on that later. We had the rockets fly above and uh, many explosions and uh, much uh, destruction. And in four hours, Russian tanks were already at my house or, or next to my house. Max is essentially a kid's pastor. He grew up in Awana. He works with kids in his area, and he helps show them the love of Jesus. My guess is, I just described most of you who are listening. You know, it's impossible for me to listen to Max without putting myself in his shoes and asking myself what I would do if I was in his position. I wanted to uh, go back home to be able to take what I thought was meaningful or things that we needed. There's a lot more to Max's story that could take up a podcast all on its own. 
But there's something about the simplicity of what he said there that has stuck with me ever since I spoke with him. He did what he needed to do to get what he thought his family would need. And remember, while I'm talking to him, he's driving food and supplies to the front lines. He told us simply that he had to do so because it was, and I quote, his territory and he was familiar and could help. Despite all that the Ukrainian church had been through, and despite all that its people were personally going through when this invasion happened, the church in Ukraine was there to care for those who needed it, and they weren't alone. I'm Adrian Stancho. People call me Adi. I am a missionary uh, for Awana Romania. Jesus said, according to the Gospel of Matthew, that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. And that the second is like it, to love our neighbor as ourself. In the case of Adi, an Awana missionary in Romania, and his team, loving their neighbors was biblical and literal. Our city was invaded by Ukrainian. So other organizations, churches say, look, we have a program for the parents. Can you do some program with the kids during our time with the parents, our counseling time, our program to help properly with the parents, help us with the, with the kids. So that was a moment when we go in this refugee center and to work with the kids. Then we go to another organization who work here in Cluj. It was an organization in the train station. They work 24 hours, stay in a train station, help the refugees. Some of the refugees have to stay one night or two. Some of them, they stay for a long time. Other was just in a transit and they prepare food and uh, accommodation. This is just one of the many practical examples of those closest to Ukraine supporting their brothers and sisters there. We'll come back to how the rest of the world responded in a second, but Tom Chilton, a WANA vice president of Europe and North Asia who works here with us in the States, adds some important context referring to Romania about the refugee crisis that has sprung up because of this war. There may have been more than a million refugees who passed through Romania but most, a lot of them went on to other parts of Western Europe. There's a, approximately 100,000 Ukrainians who have stayed in Romania, but a lot of them were passing through. So in the early days there, I think a lot of it was, you know, just helping people get down the road and, and provide for their immediate needs. They've housed uh, many families and are including those kids in the Iwana programs there. For a U.S. person less than 200 miles from your city to, you know, the Ukraine border, and, and then there are several clubs that would be in those northern, more northern cities that are even closer to Ukraine. So they've been taking in a lot of these refugees. Brian Rhodes, who has worked for Awana for decades all over the world, was in communication with Pavel as he evacuated Ukraine. When so much seemed uncertain, listen to the relief Brian describes here when Pavel finally made it across the border to safety. There was such silence from them in that time when they were trying to come through the border. And then and then all of a sudden they're in uh, Warsaw, Poland, I think. And I see this picture and there's this policeman there and there's a big digital frame of a Ukrainian flag. And I mean, it was like the difference between night and day and the Polish people just immediately, you know, were sending out their love of these people that were coming across the border and just wanting to receive them and figure out how to help them. And Pavel's taking a picture of them being there on the border. And I, I knew what a relief that was to them. There's a tension that the team in Ukraine had to navigate. 
they certainly were focused on child discipleship, but they were obviously concerned for their safety and the safety of their families, and they were deeply concerned for their country. Roman, an Awana leader in Ukraine, has a story you'll hear in English thanks to our interpreter, Olga, of how he stayed focused on feeling God's presence despite the chaos of the war. At that time, I started appreciating and tried to stay focused on God's word. Because when nothing else helps, all you can do is stick to God's word. So what I did, I would proclaim aloud, remembering verses from the Bible. In particular, the psalmist says that thousands of people will come to you and surround you, but they will not but they will not come closer to you. Uh, so I would say these words out loud to myself, to my family. And I remember saying these words and another bomb fell and our house shook, our windows you know, were shaking, but we could feel God's presence and be assured. That was Psalm 91, in case that wasn't clear. And in this next clip, Roman gives one of the clearest examples of the difference that God makes in the life of his disciples, and a great example of Ukrainian sense of humor. You know, they say when the circumstances squeeze you or, you know, are very hard on you, what is feeling you inside comes out. I remember the situation when a rocket fell very close to our house. It was about 600 meters from us and our windows opened. I remember saying, Lord God, help us. And then I thought... Hmm. It's good that I had these words come out of me. So it is something that fills me up. After the invasion of Crimea, Pavel spent eight years ministering to refugees. Then after the full-scale invasion, Pavel became a refugee himself. But you won't hear Pavel dwell on that reality. His focus has seemingly always been on how he can best share the gospel no matter what his context is. And he carries that perspective into this next clip. It's difficult, but God is in control. He's doing amazing things. When kids were was abused or was under occupation, and then when they come and moms and grandmoms see it and kids start first time to smile, you know, I become emotional. Olga, who you've heard a lot from as a translator, shares her first thoughts as the war broke out. Well, the first thing that came to my mind is my kids. They kept me moving. I realized I have to be present. I have to be stronger and I need to take care of my feelings and words because I do not want to pass my fear onto them. They would feel and see enough, but I wanted to protect them as much as I could. Of course, her first thoughts were about her kids. That'd be my first thoughts, and I bet that'd be your first thoughts too. I'm in awe of the way that the Ukrainian leaders balance this tension of their own concerns and their ministry. Olga describes what the ministry looked like in those early days of the invasion in this next clip. Yeah, we started contacting kids from Awana. 
asking where they are. We wanted to find out whether they have evacuated, whether they have moved away to another city or even abroad. But also we wanted to make sure that if they are here, we would be able to see them. And our ministry has changed a little because we realized that we need to take care not only of the kids who have been coming to Awana before the war. We rather need to involve and find the kids who have come to our city because of the war to bring them joy and hope and and God. I think what stands out to me is how easy it would have been for Olga and the other folks in Ukraine to just focus on themselves. No one would have blamed them if they had just said, nope, can't do ministry right now. And yet their commitment to child discipleship went so far as to find those kids who were still in the country and extend invitations to them to make sure that leaders could see them. Only God's love would motivate them to do that. Just like how only God's love would motivate this kind of answer from Pavel. God saved people before war, after war, during war, and even in Russia. You know, God don't cancel John 3.16. He don't cancel that. It's sometimes, it's not easy, you know, for us. John 3.16 is working for Russia. Yes, because God don't change. Imagine having to leave your home, grabbing what you can, not knowing if you'll ever return. That was the reality for the church in Ukraine and for millions of kids in Ukraine. Anita, an Awana leader that you met in our previous episode, describes that reality here. I seen kids who were wounded or injured because of the war. Their hearts are injured. You can see it with your eyes. It's just a kid. Until you start talking to this kid, until you start to pay attention more to how the child is acting, how the child is responding. You know, when we were having this uh, Awana and uh, when it's an air alert, uh, you need to go to the basement because it's a threat. And all the kids run downstairs and they're terrified. They're frightened. They're broken. And despite all this, you have an opportunity to do something because you're here at this period of time, at this moment with these kids and you know God and you know his will and you can do something. So it's your choice to use it and to use every opportunity and to fulfill the purpose you've been created for. Kids of war shouldn't be a term that exists. And yet it does. If you were discipling those kids, what would you need? What would you need from the body of Christ? I think one of the first things I would need to know if I was in that position was that I wasn't alone. Tom Chilton describes from his perspective what he saw in the church, both in Europe and here in America. People often say, oh, the church in Europe is, you know, there has been a great weakening of the church in Europe. But here, those the remnant, the faithful believers are stepping up and saying, come and stay with us. We'll, we'll take care of you. We'll, we'll provide for you. 
And, you know, the church in the United States just jumping right right into mobilizing and sending and helping. And, and so God can use his people to do wonderful things, to really be the, the church, to show the love that he talks about us as his disciples showing in, a, in a real and tangible ways so that people in the world can go, wow, look at that. Maybe the church isn't so bad after all. <laughs> uh, it, it's been a moment for, for people to see the gospel really having a positive impact. And so you never want it to come because of the awful things that have been happening. But what a blessing to see the church coming together and rising up. Donna Salen was also encouraged seeing the church around the world respond to the need in Ukraine. She has supported the church there for years and has loved the church of Ukraine ever since she first arrived. God prepares us for such a time as this. Those kids that were in the Iwana clubs, those kids have become leaders. They've become pastors of the churches who are staying there during this war. God is using them in a powerful way. They have now become the hands and feet of Jesus in the way that they're serving. As you mentioned, like talking to Max. I mean, I remember Max back in the day camp. We've seen these young people who are now dads, moms and dads, and uh, God is using them in the church of Ukraine. Donna was able to help galvanize support here in America when the war broke out. And it's important to stress that even though Donna has been over many times, any level of investment in helping child discipleship in Ukraine is making a difference. This next clip is one of Donna's first memories of Ukraine, but I share it now because regardless of when you get started supporting child discipleship in this part of the world, regardless of what that support looks like, I hope it continues long after this podcast ends. The first night that we were in a church in Ukraine, 30 years ago, sat up on the platform in Shikasi. Powell could have been in the audience. At that point, I didn't, we didn't know him. But I remember all of us sitting up there and looking out across that audience. It was cold. It was dark in that room. And... They got up and sang in Ukrainian, how great thou art. There wasn't a dry eye in the audience. We look at Ukraine today, and we know that God is in control. Pavel says that almost every time that I talk to him, God is in control. God is in control. Easy to say. But we need to remember that faithfulness daily, whether we're in a war zone or here in America. There's so many different examples of support I could highlight. I'd encourage you to check out the show notes of this episode to learn more about that through a regularly updated article our team has prepared that walks through this war in real time. You'll see the many ways people like you have supported child discipleship in Ukraine. One of those stories is that of Josh and the kids in his Awana club. My name is Josh Gish, and I serve in the Awana ministry at Gospel Life Church in Wheaton, Carroll Stream area. The leaders at Gospel Life, including Josh, decided to do a versathon to support Ukraine. Incredibly, they decided to do this on February 22nd, 2022, two days before Russia invaded. A Versathon is a program that many churches use for fundraising for mission projects, and lots of Awana clubs use this around the country. 
Kids commit to memorizing a certain number of Bible verses and reciting them on a given night. For their first Versathon event, Josh and his team had the goal of raising $2,500 for Ukraine, which would have been an amazing amount of money. But God had different plans. God worked through the families to really tug at their heartstrings, and the kids raised $7,000 in support. And it was, it was amazing. And what's more is the church, seeing the generosity of the kids and hard work and learning these verses and saying these verses on our Versathon event, they decided that they would go more than that. And they kicked in an additional $3,000. So total raised was $10,000, which by God's grace was just totally mind-blowing. The kids at Gospel Life are a good reminder to me that all of us can do something. Sitting on the sidelines here just isn't an option. Because as amazing as that $10,000 of support is, what is more eternal is the fact that each of those dollars represents child discipleship that is fueling child discipleship. Kids in Ukraine have the resources to be discipled by leaders in their country thanks to the discipleship of kids like Kaylee. Kaylee is eight years old, and she wants to be a librarian when she grows up. And here's part of the conversation I had with her and her dad, Tyler. Kaylee, what did you think about helping kids in Ukraine? Why do you want to get involved? So they can learn more about Jesus. Happy and excited to give money to the other kids. And why is it important for kids in Ukraine to learn about Jesus? So they can tell other people about Jesus. Why is it important for kids in Ukraine to learn about Jesus? So they can tell other people about Jesus. I mean, normally I just stop a podcast right there, but there's a few more things I need to tell you. In this next clip, Kaylee will reveal how many verses she set out to memorize and ultimately recited. And it's an incredible number. But you'll also hear her dad describe what it was like to watch his kids prepare for and be discipled by this experience. Did you set a goal for how many verses you wanted to say or how much money you wanted to raise? 90 verses. Kaylee's a pretty big self-starter. She drives herself quite a bit. So, I mean, we would help her where she wanted help, but a lot of it was her sitting in bed and reading the verses and then saying them to herself and then figuring out how how to keep them at, all of that in her head. Between her and her brother, their goal was to raise enough money to support a club in Ukraine, and they did that. And then how many did you wind up saying? Mm, I think 91. 92, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. 92 verses. And she's eight. Praise God for all that he is doing and will continue to do through Kaylee's discipleship. Many of you listening have supported Ukraine with your generosity, and I thank you for it. Your support has made it possible for us to assist our Ukrainian church partners in providing basic supplies for those who have been displaced by this war. And your support has also made it possible for us to continue to disciple children in the Ukrainian church. Donna Salen has more details here. And, you know, a lot of people say, are you sure that You know, the finances, everything is getting to where it's supposed to go. And are these needs really what you're saying that is needed? Like the refugee center that 
is a major thing in the Shikasi region. Is that uh, is everything getting there? Yes, it is. And every bit of that dollar is is going to be used again to see how they use every bit and accountable for everything. The Wana House in Shikasi is a place where people can stay, and it's also got meeting room and a kitchen and this kind of thing. But now they've used that for people that have been moving from the east to the west and preparing food for the soldiers. As I mentioned earlier, there's a link in the show notes to an article that our team has been keeping updated since the war began. I highly encourage you to check that article out for more stories of how folks' generosity has impacted child discipleship in Ukraine and for the latest prayer requests from our team in that region. The reality is that the needs are always changing. But Brian Rhodes, who serves as the chief revenue officer for Awana, gives a clear picture of the current situation and the future need as we see it at this time in this next clip. When this thing first started, not being an expert in any way about what happens to a country that we have that is consumed by war, you know, we had this thought with, you know, well, could we maybe raise a couple hundred thousand dollars to just have the ability to get our people out or something if we had to, you know, and our people just just completely they just overwhelmed us. I mean, we're talking about millions, not tens of thousands. And God's people have given. And because of that, we can see through the next 12 months. The needs of the people now are, if they're coming out, they're no longer planning to go back. They're not having to just find them some food or some temporary shelter. They're having to find them a place to live, a place to put their kids in school, a place to find jobs, you know, or whether that's even inside Ukraine, like Cherkasy, where in the Cherkasy region, uh, which would be like a county to us, I, I believe last time I heard it's like 150,000 refugees have chosen to live now in Cherkasy region. That's a lot of people. And all of that's happening with as many as seven to eight to 10 air raids a day. In this next clip, Brian talks about the goals of our ministry in Ukraine and how you can support it. If you've listened to the podcast this far, thank you. But I hope you know that there is much more that I would want you to do than simply press play on this podcast. Brian outlines some of our plan here and some of the ways that you could support our ministry. We have a plan to help provide for the needs of the people that we know of. We will fall short, so we do have a goal of a little over $400,000 to raise to get us through the end of this fiscal year in the, in the current planning that we have. And so we believe it's making a difference. We spend a lot of time thinking about, okay, is this, how is this our mission? How is this not our mission? Mm -hmm. I think that's a critical question because we, we spend a lot of time making sure we don't drift off of our own mission. I can tell you with the most profound sense of belief in my heart that the greatest thing that our teams on the ground, whether they're in a supporting country on the border or whether they're in, Chica in Ukraine itself, those leaders are bringing the hope of Jesus Christ to a very dark and hopeless group of people right now. And you know what? People say, well, is that what you do? Well, that's exactly what we do. We're about the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so we are bringing the hope of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world, and we are experts on that. As we look at the future of the church in Ukraine, we recognize that there will be substantial need. But as Donna describes here, despite all of this chaos of this war, there has already been so many answered prayers, and we can trust that God will continue to do what he has already done to fulfill those needs. One of the things early on, 
that Ukraine asked the three Ps to pray for, to pray for peace, to pray for provision and protection. God has provided. I mean, it's not only Americans, but it's come through other countries too. But Americans have given so much to provide for what's happening in Ukraine right now. I want to thank you all for what you've already done to support Ukraine. And I want to thank you in advance for what you will continue to do. People have given so generously and sacrificially. Prayers have been answered. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But if there's one thing I've seen in putting together this podcast and listening to the Ukrainian leaders tell their story, it's that God never stops moving. War stops a lot in this world, but it doesn't stop the gospel advancing. Adi from Romania describes his reaction to the Ukrainian church in this next clip. I see that people who is involved in this refugee center from Chernowitz so humble. They, they impressed me how they made sacrifice for being able to, to help others. So I see the, the unity between the churches and the leaders, and I see their sacrifice. The Ukrainian people have sacrificed so much. Victor, an Awana leader in Ukraine, lays out some of what has been lost, and Olga translates it in English for the rest of us. There is uh, some sad statistics uh, in Ukraine concerning children that uh, breaks my heart. 430 children, uh, officially, this is official statistics, uh, have, have been killed by the Russian army during this war. More than 430 children. And yet, despite all that mourning, God is still at work. We may not understand, and if I'm honest with myself, I wrestle with God all the time about what kids have to endure because of adult decisions. And yet this trauma has impacted all of Ukraine, which means an entire generation of Ukrainian children will be living in response to this war. But as Roman lays out in this next clip, which we hear in English thanks to Olga, in that tragedy, there is also opportunity. And the situation that I see uh, today in my area, in the clubs from my area, I see that 10% of children are children who used, who came to Awana before the war and still come, but 90% are completely new children who are new to the gospel. The war has uh, mixed so much and so many of us that much more people can hear the gospel of Christ now. Before we wrap this up, I want to go back to Pavel. Pavel shares in this next clip his perspective on what he believes the Ukrainian people are really fighting for. I think more and more during this hard time, we become really trust to God in practical way. Church in Ukraine have a history, which is really uh, was not easy one. But we always were feeling and we know this is sun and fresh air outside. So I think we are fighting for uh, for sun and fresh air we, we have rights for. The sun and the fresh air. That freedom is something I think all of us can understand and appreciate and want to support. In this last clip, you'll hear Pavel describe how the Awana ministry is helping its community, 
but you'll also hear him say something that sums up his faithfulness better than anything else. Through Awana, we are a lot big help to people. First of all, it's our, our, our Awana team, our clubs, and then refugees. We are helping kids to learn Bible verses, but giving daily bread, hot water. And like I say, and I keep to say, God is in control even in this situation. And he promised to be with us, and he's doing that. And he's faithful. And it's just, it's just not really nice words. It's, it's really true. God is in control. As long as this war is raging, and frankly, after this war ends, the people of Ukraine will need our help. But God is in control. Before we go, I want to leave you with an observation from Tom Chilton. He was on a Zoom call with the leaders in Ukraine recently, and something struck him that sums up our ministry in Ukraine, and frankly, the mission of this podcast in a way better than I ever could. It dawned on me that a number of them were in their early 40s and had grown up going to Iwana, had many of them coming to Christ through the Iwana ministry, and now today they're serving in the Iwana ministry. And it hit me, and I said, these leaders today were coming up through Awana 30 years ago, 25 years ago, and now they are the ones leading in the church and setting the example and being the curriculum to these kids. Their life is the witness to the kids that they're working with today. And and I, I said, wow, these are the resilient disciples we're talking about. And it's been 30 years of ministry in Ukraine, and this is the fruit. And it gave me a vision for yeah the next 30 years, whether it's here at home in the United States, there in Ukraine, or any part of the world where, where God has called us to disciple children. Next week on this podcast, I'm going to share with you my conversation with Anita in full. I want you to hear from her directly and in full context. And that episode will go live on Monday, November 21st. That conversation will serve as somewhat of an end to this mini-series about Ukraine, but we already have bonus episodes planned to continue to keep you connected to child discipleship in that region. But before all of that, I want to close today in prayer. When we spoke with Olga, she shared several prayer requests, and I would ask that you please take a minute to join me in prayer for the people of Ukraine. Pause this podcast if you need to. Grab others to join you. I would encourage you to grab the kids in your life to pray with you as well during this time. Thank you for listening. Olga starts with a message of gratitude, but then we'll end our time together in prayer. Well, first of all, I would like to thank you. Uh, thank all the people who have felt God's invitation, I would say, to join in and uh, support Ukraine and the people of Ukraine. So first of all, thank you very much that you give your resources, your prayers, your finances, and so much more. So first of all, thank you. What I would ask to pray for would probably be for people not to get tired physically <laughs> as much as uh, they can get tired these days. Uh, many people volunteer a lot. They have jobs. They are very involved in the ministry. So I would ask to pray for those people for, for strength. 
please pray for for Ukrainian people to be able to see that God is at work because he is. Please pray for our churches and you know our leaders and our churches to be sensitive yeah and sensible. <laughs> we were ready for some kind of uh, ministry, you know, uh, because something just was going on, but uh, there are new challenges that our churches uh, need to face working with trauma both physical and and emotional so please pray for our churches to to have this wisdom and understanding from god how we can help our people these days please pray for protection and safety especially for those people who defend our country and also for those people who who haven't accepted christ as their friend because they have i think they have more fear and who oh, i can't imagine how they can be going through this yeah pray for our christian people to and our churches to really sense the the holy spirit because he can and he is speaking uh, so that pray for the churches to hear how they can be more effective during this time 